everyone. Welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll referee a battle of the beards for another hop variety, enjoy a homestyle interview with Zach Bigelow from Ramshackle Brewing in Jonesville, Michigan, and review Nectaron from Agma Brewing. In this segment of Looking for Lupulin, I'll take a bite out of a hop variety that can taste and smell a lot like a fuzzless fruit, nectarine. I know it seems like all I do recently is talk about hops from down under, but these hop varieties have been taking the brewing world by storm. This particular hop variety has done just that in recent years. In 2004, New Zealand's plant and food research bred two plants, which produced about 170 plants. One of the parents of this hop was Pacific Jade, which I will discuss in a future episode. Two years later, these plants produced their first crop of hops, initially identified as hop variety HORT4337. As is typical for most new varieties, lots and lots of testing is done for viability in the market. A push was made to expand the crop during 2016 and 2017. And in my opinion, without much fanfare, nearly 17 years later, Nectaron was officially released to the beer world in 2020. In 2022, many sources labeled Nectaron as the next big thing in hops. Though you might hear me mispronounce Nectaron as Nectarone due to my Midwest accent, it might seem to take its name from the Nectarine. Well, the name actually pays homage to its creator, Ron Beetson, who was one of the principal scientists responsible for breeding it. This hop definitely has a stone fruit forward profile often being compared to the nectarine. If you have not had nectarine before, it is somewhat similar to the peach, though slightly smaller. Fun fact, one of the main differences between peach and nectarine is that peaches have a soft fuzzy skin and nectarines have a smooth firm skin. NZ Hops describes this hop variety as Evoking the unmistakable aromas of the tropics, Nectaron captures the senses and tantalizes the taste buds with crafted notes of pineapple, passion fruit, peach, and grapefruit. Already proven to add abundant character to styles such as strong pale ales and IPAs, this is a hop that can sing by itself or add an undeniable wow to any brew in the making. According to BeerMaverick.com, Nectaron has an alpha acid content of 9.5 to 12%, and a beta acid content of 45 to 5%. Nectarone hops can be used in just about any style you can think of that yearns for a trip to the tropics, though American Pale Ales and IPAs seem to top that list. It is another great dual-use hop, though it is typically used late in the kettle or dry hop for its aromatic qualities. Homebrewers might use Waimea, Citra, and Mosaic as substitutes. Another fun fact, Nectaron and Waimea are purebred sisters coming from that same initial breeding of those two hop plants. Just like other patented hop varieties, Nectaron is not available to the general public for growing and must be purchased commercially. In this segment of Homebrew Hijinks, fermentation commences. As I mentioned in the previous episode, I pitched the yeast and crossed my fingers due to a couple bumbles in my process. After a few hours, a thin, cream-colored foam started to form on the top of the wart, and my airlock started burping out bubbles of CO2. 
I left it on my counter for 24 hours to make sure fermentation was clearly underway before moving it to my slightly cooler basement. Within a couple of days, the main fermentation slowed to a stop, and now the waiting began. I've always heard brewers and home brewers alike talk about bottling up a beer too soon. Since I really haven't strayed too much style-wise, two weeks has seemed to be a good length of time for my beer. Two days before bottling, I brought my fermenter back up to the kitchen and prepared for the dry hop. I originally had intended to use Citra to try and accentuate the tropical notes, but I grabbed my Tahiki instead, which probably won't have the same punch that I was hoping for. I opened the airlock, dropped in the hops, and sealed it back up. I can't wait to see what aroma and flavor profiles emerge. Next time, I bottle up the beer and taste this new recipe. Now, it's time for Barstool Banter. This episode, I sit down in person with Zach Bigelow from Ramshackle Brewing at the Jonesville, Michigan location. Listen in as we taste a new beer on the menu, uncover the origins of the brewery, and discuss pushing the limits of creativity. Apologies in advance for the rawness of the recording, as my sound engineer is on vacation this month. Welcome to Barstool Banter. I'm sitting down here with Zach Bigelow from Ramshackle Brewing at their Jonesville, Michigan location. Zach, thanks for joining me on the podcast and making time in your busy schedule for me. Hey, not a problem. Always enjoy drinking and talking. Excellent. Well, speaking of which, you poured a little bit of a flight here, but you have a new one on called the uh, Drunken Quickie. It's a solid chocolate stout. Can you uh, tell me a little bit more about it while I take a couple sips? Sure. Kind of an inspiration was Nestle's Quick, but uh, also wanted to add a little bit of salt to it to round out that flavor profile, give it a little bit more of, instead of the milk chocolate, kind of the dark chocolate roasted blend, but not overpower it. Okay. All right, so it's got a nice chocolateyness on the nose, I smell. So what kind of malt did you use in this? Let's see, that is Simpsons chocolate malt, and then Simpsons Maris Otter, a traditional English chocolate stout, but I really wanted it just for this time of year when it starts getting a little cooler at night, but you want that little stout flavor, but you don't want it too big and heavy to yeah. bloat you. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's nice and light. See, it's, what, 4.6%, so it's definitely uh, one of those crushable kind of beers that you work on in the evening. And for me, stouts are like an all-season thing. I, I'm not like one that's like, oh, winter only, it's got to be cold weather. I drink stouts. In fact, I drink Russian Imperial stouts in the summertime, so I just love them. I love the flavors. So. I do too, but you got to, for me, I got to be careful just on my brew schedule. I don't want to sure. be front-end loaded with the big chewy beers during 90-degree weather. Right, because clearly you've got to be careful about your customer base, and you know that most people, their mindset is they want to come in in the summertime, have a nice lager, have a nice IPA, something that's light, light-colored, that they can you know drink instead of like these heavy stouts. Fruity, sour, crisp, you name it, yeah. They don't want to chew their beer <laughs> during the summer. What is your role here at the brewery? Uh, I like to call myself the beer gremlin. I do a little bit of everything from owner operator i do the dishes in the back i book all of our live music comedians i'm the brewer i do all the cellarman job right now on a five barrel system my mornings start at like four in the morning they end it who knows when till the jobs are done long days but you must love it i do i do it's kind of nice being my own boss sure so ramshackle when i first 
visited here a few years back. I was like, Ramshack, that sounds, that's kind of a cool name. And can you tell me a little bit about the name and what the inspiration is behind that? Well, my dad actually named it unbeknownst to him. My old homebrew system was, I made it myself from cutting the top, buying a couple kegs from the scrapyards and cutting the tops off of them. Just anything I could do. And with a little help from a few of my friends that have engineering degrees, we cobbled together a pretty good brew system. My dad, general maintenance guy, always meticulous. He'll have a notebook just for one project. Okay. That kind of guy. You should never miss bolts if you're doing something. <laughs> and he comes over on a brew day one day, first time he'd ever seen it. He's like, what kind of ramshackle crap you have going on here? And, and to me, it just stuck. I'm like, man, that's the American spirit. Yeah. It doesn't have to be pretty to be functional. As long as it gets the job done, to me, that's embodiment of the American spirit. Absolutely. And I think that's something that we've lost along the way is we got to have everything tidy and neat and pictured in the... The perfect box. Well, and if you look back at, uh, like you said, American history, I mean, distilleries, they were out in the middle of the woods putting together what they could to brew and distill stuff. So, yep. so I like that. That's really cool. You know, I grew it up here in uh, Hillsdale County. Why did you choose Jonesville for, for your brewery location? Well, me and my wife were from Hillsdale County. Okay. We live in Hillsdale. And when we were looking for our location, being that it was going to be in Hillsdale County, I didn't want to drive you know, an hour just to go to work and go to my business. Uh, I pulled up Michigan's Department of Transportation traffic density map and found the top five highest traffic marks, intersections, what have you. The two biggest ones by a three-to-one ratio were M99 and 12 north and M99 and 12 south. Okay. So we said, okay, we got to narrow our search. It looks like it's going to be Jonesville. Approach Jonesville, and they're like, "Yeah, bring it." So Jonesville is only a, a little town, two thousand. So it's kind of small. Have you found like with a small town that you get like any kind of backlash with being a brewery? Actually, no. Um, most people are really appreciate that we, we're not a bar. Okay. You know, we don't carry bar hours. We don't have the spillover of intoxicated people leaving. In fact, during COVID, when because we opened in July of twenty nineteen. And during the pandemic, I don't know how many people from the area just said, I don't drink beer, but I know what you mean to the community. So let me buy a hoodie or a gift card or something to keep us going. That really meant the world when things were looking bad. And I think that's another maybe hallmark of craft industry in general is that you engage with the community. My guess is you probably have some things that you do in the community, but Really, people don't understand that like a craft brewery brings in such a different crowd of people. And those people aren't out to just like get smashed and to make a mess. Right. They're out to enjoy some good craft beverages, spend time with their friends, and uh, gather together. And, uh, and that's what I love about the craft industry. I think your tagline on your business card said it was the community gathering place. The community happen? brewery. Okay. What started that was we actually were one of the first... 47% equity-based crowdfunded businesses under the Michigan Invest Local Exemption Act, or okay. the MILE Act. We were able to raise our seed money through 19 other local community members. They own 47% of our business. That became the mutual community spot, the community brewery. We have the local artists that painted on our walls on the mural. I try to book original music on Fridays and Saturday nights. Every Wednesday is an open mic night for the community. It's 
kind of our shtick. Well, that's awesome. I mean, there's nothing like that here in Jonesville. Not really, no. No, I, I love your I love your venue. I mean, really, it's a long, narrow kind of galley style venue. I mean, that's really what it amounts to. It used to be an alley. Did it? Yeah. Okay. All right. I did not remember that. This used to be an alley. It's 16 and a half feet wide. So you basically boxed it in and built brewery, yep. and that's it. That's it. Very cool. Those are the kinds of things that, that I like to hear because so you're using a space that really was unusable for something that's usable and good now. Yeah. So you said you're from Hillsdale County originally. So you're born and bred here in the... Yep. Yep. Moved away for a while. I went to uh, Warwick Hills up in Flint area and I was the pastry chef up there for a okay. few years. And came back here and started working towards this goal. All right. So you still have family in the area then? Yep. Okay. All local ties. All right. So you're married, so your wife also has got a vested interest in the brewery as well, I assume. Yeah, she's corporate. <laughs> so what corporate says goes. <laughs> she handles the bookkeeping, the behind-the-scenes things that, you know, I don't touch. She's the branding person, making sure all of our branding is correct. Because if I, I had my way, I would just go to Goodwill and buy a bunch of shirts and then screen print our logo over top of it. Yeah, and it's an important part of the craft industry you know we were talking about the podcast about marketing you've really got to have a consistent brand in the industry so that people recognize you so they know what to expect from you too they know what to expect and then they also can relate mm-hmm. you know if there's something that general population doesn't get here there may be 10 miles outside of town that that population's like you know what i get them so tell me a little bit about the goat with the sunglasses my wife, Jessie, her co-workers, she was talking to them about, hey, we needed a logo, and I don't care what it was. I'm more worried about making the different beers and things like that. And so he sketched it out and sketched out the, the lettering as kind of Ren and Stimpy-esque kind uh-huh. of lettering. She goes, what do you think of this? I said, can you work with it? She goes, I can work with this. I love it. I'm like, then it's, that's what it is. Yeah, it's simple and effective and, and recognizable, so I really like that. So tell me a little bit about like your brew days. What do those look like for you? Summertime, I want to get in at like 3, 4 in the morning to beat the heat. I don't want to generate a lot of heat in the building, of okay. course, and it makes it a lot easier. It's just milling the grains and start the process, you know, mashing in. Depending on the style, it can be a simple infusion mash where it's water, grains, and my different salts and additives to counteract different things in the water. Mix it all together at a certain temperature, let it go. There's other ones where it's a triple decoctation, where I'm pulling the grains out and boiling it and slowly building up. All depends on the beer style, really. Brew day can be from start up to clean up, eight hours to our double drizzle, which is literally a double English IPA. That's a 17-hour day, guaranteed. Wow. So what makes that a, a long brew? I double everything on that okay. so it's literally two brew days at okay. one time well one of the things i do notice is that you are not afraid to dabble in a lot of different styles you know sometimes you go to a brewery and they've only got maybe three four or five different styles you've got your pilsner your kolsch a couple ipas a stout you maybe a, a hefty or something like that but it seems like you aren't afraid to to experiment and try some different things i like picking regions out of the world and just going by that as far as when I'm creating my, my brew schedule for the year, I'll go, hey, in August, I want to showcase something from Lithuania. So I'm going to work that back and bring up a recipe 
get all my stuff in, start brewing that in like May. Each month I try to showcase a different style or what have you. I it, like that. And I think the other thing that does too is it gives, with those that don't get out that much to a brewery, it gives them an opportunity to try something different that maybe they wouldn't normally order. They could say, yeah, I'll try the Pivo. I'll, I'll try that and see what that smoked beer tastes like, you know, just for something different. Yep. What has been like your uh, most adventurous beer this year so far? Uh, this year was the uh, rice lager that I made. We called it Jane, plain Jane. It was uh, <laughs> 75% rice, 25% corn, and that was it. It was bare bones, just rice and corn doing its thing with a little help from some enzymes. And at first I didn't think it would turn out. I thought it was going to be like, oh, this is going to be like sake. It turned out to be one of the most simplistic Pilsner-esque beers, and I, I hopped it and treated it just like a Czechoslovakian Pilsner. Okay. So it had the noble hops going on it, and then just for distinction on it, I conditioned it on lemons and green tea. That was one of the most adventurous ones I did this year so far. And I think I had that the last time I was in, and it was, it was pretty tasty. It was a good boat beer. Yeah, for sure. wasn't offensive at all, you know, nope. like... She had a great personality. There wasn't much to, much to it, but she had a great personality, you know? So uh, what size of a brew system do you have here? I run a five-barrel system. And I've got four primary fermenters, two brights. Cycling through, I carry six on tap. Our flagship goes to 22 locations now. Nice. Mainly here in South Michigan? Yep. Okay. Uh, the farthest from this point right now is... Homer, Battle Creek, Jackson, Adrian. Nice. That's really uh, cool for, what, a nano brewery? Technically, teetering on that nano to, to micro. Okay, okay. But for a small brewery, I mean, you guys are doing pretty well. Yeah, I think last year we did uh, 490 barrels. That's ambitious. This year, <laughs> this year I'm pushing more. I'm pushing more, that's for sure. I think as a brewer, I think you're always wanting to to try and push the limits, right? I mean, you're always wanting to try and stretch yourself as a brewer. You always want to stretch yourself as a, as a company. You know, you want to try and do different things. So, I mean, I think that's the only way to do it is to brew more. Well, well there's that, or just improve on each batch. Yeah. You know, I, and I think that's human nature, really, too, mm-hmm. is we want to succeed. Yeah. And once we get that little taste of success, we want to keep going for it. Right. So you mentioned uh, that you have comedy here, you've got shows, um, your local art. Did somebody come in and paint that for you then? Uh, Eight local artists did. They just chipped away, found their spot, and went to town on the brick walls. And then as a thank you, each one of them got to design their own pint glass. Oh, nice. And all the proceeds went to them, the artist itself. So we did a, a limited run of 500 glasses. That netted each artist roughly about $1,100. Excellent. Kind of a show of thank you for them. Again, another way to give back to the community. That's another thing I would say about your space. You know, I like it. It's different. A little bit of everything tacked on the walls and around here. Uh, is that kind of your style personally anyway? It wasn't by design at okay. all. The only thing that we actually planned out fell through. And our bar, originally, I wanted to have a funhouse mirror as the bar top. Oh, that would have been cool. But I was in here painting before we were open, before we got everything, and I... I had to have some epoxy at the house. So I got on my phone, ordered it through Amazon. Next morning I look and I'm going, why did I spend 80 bucks on Amazon 
Instead of one ounce two-part epoxy, I bought a gallon. So now our bar top is a dry erase board. <laughs> oops. You know, it was a oops, but now it's great because people freak out still that they haven't come in. You can draw on our bar. We encourage people to be creative instead of destructive. The markers make sense to me now. Draw on our bar. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Works great when we need to take notes and something's in a rush. We yeah. can just grab a marker and go. That's definitely unique. It's not something I've ever, I've ever seen before. I like that. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking Nectarone from Agma Brewing in Jackson, Michigan. From the brewer. Brewed exclusively with New Zealand Nectarone hops. Notes of juicy, sweet, and punchy nectarines. Soft mouthfeel with a firm, pleasant bitterness. Without further delay, this is a 6% New England IPA. Akma Brewing is located not too far from where I live. I find myself in Jackson at least once every few months and try to make this one of my go-to stops. When I was at the brewery recently, they had this beer on tap and I included it in my beer flight. When I got ready to check it in on untapped, I noticed it was a single hot beer and so I just had to bring a crowler home to review. The label says this, Agma, God of Communication and Language, represents bringing people together. Historically, beer has done the same. We hope to inspire connection through consistently great beer, killer food, and favorable experiences. Drink fresh, be rad. If you've never been to Agma before, you should really give them a try. They have a great scratch kitchen in addition to some pretty amazing beer. I have had a couple of beers prior to this with Nectarone hops, which I think are a bit unusual or hard to get. Only Monogamy Nectarone from Bellwoods Brewing in Toronto, Canada had it as the lone hop as part of their single hop series. Well, I have a confession to make to you all. Unfortunately, things happen. This episode, I had some technology failures. I had pre-recorded this review for Nectarone quite some time ago because I wanted to drink it fresh. And unfortunately, in the process of recording the other segments for this particular episode, the file got corrupted and I couldn't recover it. So unfortunately, you're just going to get the cliff note version from my tasting notes and untapped. One of the things I do recall quite vividly is when I cracked open the crawler, the strong aroma of nectarine filled the room. Now when I poured this out into a glass, it definitely was a deep golden color. From untapped here, it was cloudy with a fine white head. Big notes of nectarine on the nose. Hoppy bitterness with a lingering nectarine finish. And I said, amazing. Apologies, Agma. I really wanted to highlight this beer in a little bit more detailed fashion. Uh, but hey, things happen. So I give this one four tasters out of five on the flight board. Cheers, Agma Brewing. If you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and have one in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. Well, that's all for this episode of the Five Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time as it's time to don the Lederhosen, sample my recent homebrewing project, 
and chat once again with Zach Bigelow from Ramshackle Brewing. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5 Beer Plan 2022, and leave a comment to let me know what one of your favorite beers with Nectarone is. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs>